Well, church family, if you guys were joining us here last week, um, you guys would know that I was actually in North Carolina um, celebrating what God is doing in the life of our church at one of our awesome partner churches, Inglewood Baptist Church. And they, were, they had asked myself, and I brought my friend George to come out, and we were just giving reports about what God is doing. We are sharing a lot of your guys' stories, showing pictures, talking about what God's doing in the life of our church. And there was a gentleman that came up to me at our Walk Church booth. We were giving out stuff. We love to give stuff away. And uh, he goes, hey, man, real quick, I got a question for you. And he looks at me, and he just goes, Why? I'm like, what, what do you mean, why? And he says, why plant a church in Las Vegas? He said, why, why does Walk Church exist? Tell me why. And I, I truly believe that there's a lot of answers to that question. Um, and of course, there's more people like, hey, can I get a magnet? Can I get a shirt? And I'm like, I wish I could tell you a, a, a whole lot, but... Um, I decided to answer this question with a couple of these answers that I'm going to show you um, just on the screen right here. I had this um, slide for the time when we gave a report. And I just want you guys to know a few of the demographics about our city. I am from the city of Las Vegas. I love the city of Las Vegas. This is my city and I'm grateful for it. A few years ago, Las Vegas was known as the third fastest growing city in America and it hasn't slowed down in growing. All right, so I'm, I, I think that it's right around that area still. 40 plus million visitors visit our city per year, second behind New York City alone. And it's, it's close too. We're coming up on that first. Um, 2.6 million people live in Las Vegas. So for the person that said, hey, so do you live in a casino? I'm like, bro, <laughs> what? Do you gamble for a living? No. Do you know that there's 2,600,000 people that live in Las Vegas? There's one strip street, it's Las Vegas Boulevard, but it's a whole lot bigger than that. And you're like, really? Like, come on, you need to come on a mission trip or something. How about this? 92% of the people that live in our city don't go to church. Wow. Now, maybe that's just a number to you, or, or a percentage, but that means that 2,392,000 could care less about what we're doing this morning. I don't know about you, but for, some, for somebody who believes that the local church is the hope of the world, that bothers me. That, that does something in me because I believe that there are some people that need church because church is such a life-giving organism that's given from God himself. We're supposed to be an expression of God himself. And how many of you guys know that God is good? So the church should be good in the city and for the city. And so if two million plus people could care less, that, that means that we need some more churches in the city. Um, over 60% of the people in our city label themselves as none, which means when they have a pamphlet to fill out that says, what, what do you affiliate religious-wise? Uh, they don't check Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism. They just say none. I don't want any of it. That's a whole lot of people. 1,560,000 people just say, I don't believe in anything. Or I don't want anything to do with it. That, that to me, those are, those are answers for the question, uh, why? 70,000 people moved to Las Vegas in 2015. That's a whole lot of people just move, picking up and moving to our city. The, the, the statistic is not out for 2016 yet, and we're still in 2017. Here's what I'm convinced of. We need more life-giving 
gospel-saturated churches in our city, if we want to meet the needs of the people that God's sending here, amen? Like, they're not just randomly moving here. God's positioning people here. God's positioning the nations here. How many of you guys know that Las Vegas is the sports capital of the world? No one gave me an amen on that. Come on, somebody clap with me. If I, I love sports. We finally got a professional football team. Come on. It don't matter if you don't like the Raiders. You got to now. They're in Vegas. I don't, I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I've never been the biggest hockey fan. Now I am. We got a hockey team, right? Amen? Hey, really quick, and, and, and we do partner with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I, I love um, what God's doing in the, in the sports ministry world. And you heard Pastor Dean share a little bit about it. We got another brother in our church who you also heard about, Rick Strasser. Rick, where are you at, man? Can you just go ahead and wave your hand? Rick, we love you, brother. Um, Rick has brought pretty much the entire UNLV softball team to church with us this morning. Can we honor them? Come on. Come on. We love that y'all are here. Come on. We need some softball players at Walk Church. We got some of our other football players and athletes here at our church this morning. We love you guys. Um, 70K moved to our city in 2015. Right? So, so that means if we planted 70 churches in one year and they all started running 1,000, we would meet the need that was in our city that moved here for just one year, not the other 2.6 million, right? We need more churches in our city. Did you guys know, I just found this out, that Las Vegas has the worst school district in the U.S.? Now, partly when I say that, I'm convicted because I grew up in this school district, and I like it. I'm all right with it. I mean, that's kind of insulting to me. But I don't want to go against the statistics. Some of you are like, oh, now, now we get why he's, you know, <laughs> why he's a little off. Um, but I didn't, I, I, man. And here's partially why this is true, because we're 49th on the graduation rate list. We graduate the least high school seniors, right? There's only one state that does better than us, right? Uh, man. Or does, does worse than us. There's 40, 48 that does better than us. Man, we got to, come on. But that doesn't, show, that, that doesn't necessarily offend me as, as much as it fuels the fire to plant life-giving churches here. Right. right? That says to me, that's the why. That's why we need to do this here. And that's why we need to partner with schools here. That's why we need to reach youth and disciple well and say, hey, it's good to finish well. Yeah. We want to help you do that. That's why we gave out 15, 20 backpacks a couple weeks ago just to help meet the needs. That's why we partner with schools and try to encourage teachers and come alongside the, the, the staff here at middle school because it starts here. Yeah. That's why we just were partnering at, at Lewis Elementary School because it, it starts at the elementary school. We were, we were helping kindergartners get off the bus. That, that, that's not just about Sunday. That's about then too. Yeah. You guys, 10,556 people are homeless in our city, fourth in the United States. It's a lot of people that don't have a home. Amen? Did you know that 2,200 of them are youth? 2,200 youth don't have a place to call home tonight. The local church is not just an expression of preaching the gospel, but it's a, an expression of living the gospel. Yeah. The gospel reconciles not just our faith to Christ, it reconciles our whole life. Yeah. It reconciles our city. I think one of the great measurements that Ben talked about is not just measuring how your church doing, but how's your city doing. That's right. We want to see these numbers change and I, I love I love this church because 
you guys can come into agreement with me on this, right? Because when I share this in North Carolina, they just see a number. When I share this with you guys, you see a name. You see a family member. You see a a teacher, a, a classmate, a coworker. Some of them are even here this morning. We value and honor you. That's why we take a lot of time to say honor you this morning. But I honestly didn't know that there are that many homeless people or that, that we're that far lower, that there's that many people that are moving to our city. But I knew that it was somewhere around that ballpark and that's the why, church. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're taking time to set up and tear down. And we don't want to just look at these numbers. We want to make a difference in these numbers. And here's what I want to encourage you with, church. Praise God that we are. Did you know that, that, that 2,200 youth are homeless? 40 of them go to Schofield Middle School. When the principal brought me into the office here, and we honor Principal Nepp and her staff this morning, who would have been here if she wasn't uh, celebrating her birthday, amen? Um, but, and we, we gave her a pass for that. That was all right. We're like, come on, celebrate it with us. We got cake. Um, she was like, I'll be another time. Um, but when she brought me into the office, she said, all right, I know we've done cookouts, and I know we've done paint projects, and you guys have been a blessing to our school, but did you know that there's 40 students here that don't have a home? I said, really? I went to this school. I didn't know that. She said, yeah, there's 40 students here that don't have a place to say, this is my home, and, and because of that, they don't have food. What, if, what would you say if our school and your church started a food pantry right here out of Schofield, and you guys ran it for us? I mean, that, that's the why, right? That's why we're here. Amen, that's why we're here. Oh, this was a picture of our team at one of our last moments. We called it Dr. Jack's Hangar um, Food Pantry for Schofield, and we're coming together, and here's, here's our volunteer team bringing the food out. We fed over 90 people on this day, just, just recently. People coming up. This, this family came up just last week. We'll clap for that. Amen? Amen. Yeah. That's our, that's our team with Ms. Munez and Principal Nepp, right? And, and this family came up. We said, how many people in your family? They said, 10. I was like, dang. Get them some bags of food. And to see tears roll down their eyes as they walked out, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Amen? And and I'm grateful that these are just awesome people at our fellowship that said, hey, I want to get in on it. Can we help? Can we provide? And we we decided to lock arms with Three Square Food Bank, one of the biggest food banks in our country, is right here in our city. You got to know that. They're making a difference. And we're able to lock arms with them, and they're able to call us now a community partner, and we're able to help reach people and not just bring them the good news of the gospel, but bring them food. That's good right there, church. So why does Walk Church exist to this brother in North Carolina. After sharing that, he was like, oh, I got it. (laughs) And I'm signing up for a mission trip. Praise God, I accomplished what I had had prayed for in that moment. Um, But I just want to talk a little bit more uh, more about why specifically this church exists, right? We, We understand why the church exists to make disciples of all nations, baptize and set people free and, and, and see people's lives changed and see people saved. Um, but, but this church has a specific vision that I want us to all gather our hearts around. And a lot of you guys know it because we say it all the time. We sing it. We, we live it. We preach it. And, and here's what it is. Simply put, it's to free people to walk in Jesus. You can see it behind me. Uh, we are passionate about seeing people set free to walk in Christ. When I realize that God is for me and he's for his glory, and when I'm best with God, I'm free. I'm free to live, I'm free, free to be. 
I'm free to, to, to live the life God's created me to live. And the life he's created me to live is in Christ. The word walk is the same word that's used for live. Like live in Jesus. Don't just live with Jesus. Don't just live by Jesus. Don't just walk on Jesus. You can walk in Jesus, amen? Like he lives in us and through us. And we believe if we can see somebody experience freedom in Christ through salvation and then begin to walk out their purpose, which is in him, their lives will be forever changed and they'll experience joy that they would have never experienced if they didn't experience freedom walking in him. So that's our touchdown today, church. We exist to free people to walk in Jesus. If it doesn't have to do with freedom and walking in Christ, we don't do it. We are, we are really simple. Um, we want to see people set free, physically and spiritually. And not just set free, but set free with a purpose to walk in Jesus. So maybe you would say, well, what does that person look like? I want to walk you through what a person who's set free to walk in Jesus looks like because this is our language, this is what we communicate, this is what we believe, and we want you guys to know it. A person that's set free, first off, knows God. Knows God. We are passionate about knowing God. I love this phrase because this was the phrase that changed my life. For years, I always thought that Christianity was just another religion. I just thought you had to, you know, check a box, do's and don'ts, believe, don't believe, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't wear this, you can't wear that, you can't listen to this, you can't listen to that, you can't say this. That's for those people. It's not, it's not for me, right? And then one day I realized that it's really all about knowing God. That's it. I remember I came across a verse in scripture when I was playing college basketball, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, and we'll look at it here briefly on the screen. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I read that. It blew my mind. I thought, I thought everybody who says Jesus is Lord is going to go to heaven. He says, not everyone. He says, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Hyden. He said, many, Hyden. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons? Didn't we perform many miracles? Look at everything that we did, right? I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. And he says, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. And I read that and I realized there was a revelation, a light switch switch, right? I just need to know Jesus. It's not whether I can cast out a demon or prophesy or do all this weird stuff, right? Like he's looking, he's just, there's only one measurement. Like he's not, when you, when you see him, he's not going to look at your GPA. He's not going to look at your degrees. He's not going to be impressed by anything else, whether, if, do you know him or not? Like, is there like a, a, a love relationship that's so deep that you know him deeply? Do you, you know him? The apostle Paul is a great example of this. Paul was a man who was a Pharisee. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was persecuting Christians left and right. He had a brother named Stephen killed. He agreed to it because of his faith in Jesus and then Paul when they got saved and he got set free and he started walking in Jesus and he had all the do's and don'ts he had all the boxes checked and then in Philippians chapter 3 here's what he says I want to show you guys this verse he says I consider everything everybody somebody say everything 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 a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus he said I got all these credentials I stack them up and I say that they're a loss compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Dang. Like, geez, dude was spiritual. That, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Paul says, I couldn't do enough good works to be righteous. 
But when I became a, a believer and I started to get to know Jesus, that's when I became righteous. Not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, he says. By faith, I want to know God. I was studying these words, new and know here, and it's, it's the Greek word, gnosko. And, and I was learning about some of the words that are used to describe gnosko in the Greek language. When they hear gnosko, they hear understand, they hear relate, they hear love, they hear grow, they hear intimacy, they hear valuable. They hear, I like you, I know you, I want you, I want to be with you, I want to spend time with you. And then I, I was doing a study on that word gnosko, and I realized it's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis chapter 4 to describe Adam and his wife Eve. The text says that Adam knew his wife Eve. And then I, and I looked up the Hebrew word for that word knew there. It's the word yada, and it means to have a relationship with, that Adam had a relationship with his wife. It, it, it wasn't just sexual intimacy he had with her. He, ha, he really knew her well. He had a relationship with her. And God is now using this relational word to say, do you know me? Not just do you do things, but do you know me? We experience freedom when we know God. I want to give you guys an illustration that I've been thinking about. Um, because here's what I believe. Just, just look at me really quick, church. I, I believe this is true. I think a lot of us have heard stuff about God. Or we think we know about God, but we really don't know God. Because if you really knew him, you'd see how good he is. You'd see how much he loves you. And so you got, uh, you got assumptions about God, and we place God in categories based off of what we've seen or what we've heard or, you know, what this person said. I'm going to give you guys a little illustration of what I'm talking about. How many of you guys know when September hits, Christmas music comes on? And we got a couple hands raised. Some of you are like, nah, don't be that guy, right? And one of my favorite movies, and you guys know one of my favorite movies, right around Christmas time is Home Alone. Come on, Kevin McAllister. Anybody a Home Alone fan? Can I get an amen? It's all right. You can do that. I like it. This is the relationship between Kevin McAllister and Old Man Marley. And, and the first time we're introduced to Old Man Marley is when Kevin's older brother, Buzz, says, Kevin, come here real quick. Come here real quick. Old man Marley's out there. And Kevin looks out the window and all of a sudden everybody's like, oh! right? And Buzz is like, yeah, he used to walk up and down these streets and there's people buried in his trash can and stuff like that. And Kevin's like, oh my gosh. Like, well, I, I want to move away from the window. I'm scared of him. And then, right, a few scenes later, Kevin runs into him in the little grocery store and he looks over and there's old, old man Marley, right? And Kevin's like, oh! And he runs out of the grocery. He even steals something because he's so scared of him. And then, and then, oddly enough, the next time Kevin has an encounter with old man Marley is in a church. And he's there in the church. And right, he, Kevin's sitting there. He's like, my family disappeared. I kind of want mom back. This home alone stuff doesn't work. Um, and then who walks up? Old man Marley's sitting right, standing right there. Scares him out of his, right? And, and old man Marley sits down. And basically just says, why are you so scared of me, man? And Kevin says, well, I thought you were this, 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 and this. He goes, I'm none of those things. 
I'm here for you. I'm here in the community. I li- I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm here in the church with you. I, I'm not those things. Why do you think that I'm those things? And then Kevin says, you're not so bad after all. You're actually a pretty cool guy. Hey, and spoiler alert. Well, if you haven't seen Home Alone by now, then there's no, I'm, you need me to spoil it for you, all right? You need to put that on your to-do list for this season, right? But right, but what happens is Kevin, he's at his house, he's home alone, and the robbers come in, and they, they finally catch him, they, they pin him up to the wall, and who's the one that saves Kevin? Come on, it's old man Marley that comes in with the shovel, bang, right? Not going to touch my friend, not going to touch my buddy, right? I, I really am convinced that this is an illustration of a lot of our relationship with God, right? We, we have this idea that God's kind of this old creepy guy that is just kind of Bible stories and he's raw and he's wearing a robe and he's, he's weird and, you know, he, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't know me. He's kind of scary and, you know, they paint Jesus with these pictures and he's like, you know, it's just, it's glowing. I, I'm just, when really, like, God is right there next to you in the church, like, he's right there. He's at the grocery store with you. He's outside your house. He's here at church with you. He's going to be the one that saves you when the enemy comes and gets you, right? Like, that, that's our God, amen? You got, you got to realize that, that you need to tap into this reality if you get to know him. I promise you, if you get to know him, throw out all the religion. Just get to know him. Like, don't worry about what you've heard. Don't worry about what, you, what, what happened in the past. Don't worry about, don't worry about any of that. Just get, the, get alone with this book and say, God, I want to get to know you. That's all. I want to share my secrets with you. I want to love you. I want to grow closer to you. Do what only you can do. I want to know you. And I guarantee you God will meet you right there because he promises all who draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And when God wraps his arm around you, there's nothing like it. That's right. And he wants to get to know you. Somebody who's set free is somebody that knows God. I'm going to run through these last three really quick. So put your seatbelts on. Let's, let's keep it going. The next thing is somebody who's set free finds freedom. Um, they, they not only know God, but they've found freedom. And the more I read this book, the more I realize that freedom happens in community. That we are not created to do life alone. Yeah. Don't do life alone. Don't do ministry alone. Don't work alone. Don't, don't play sports alone. Right? Don't do life alone. We're created for community. Unity. Together. We're better together. And we experience freedom when we do things together. Let me show you this verse real quick. It's a challenging verse, but it may help somebody here today. It comes from the book of James. James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. What I began to realize is I was struggling with sin in my life. And I would pray to God and he said, I forgave you. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're free. And I said, well, how come I don't feel healed? He said, because you haven't released it and told anybody else to pray for you. And get around community and, and let somebody help you and walk with somebody and do this together. And the moment I got around people that I trust, that I knew that loved me and cared for me, and I said, yo, guys, I struggle with this. Can you guys pray for me? I began to experience healing in my life. I began to experience freedom in my life. And you know what I started to hear? Me too. And then they experienced freedom. They experienced healing. And it just took the time to just be transparent with one another and do this thing together, amen? It's not fun doing it. Insanity is doing stuff alone, right? We're created to do this together. God gives us the perfect example. 
right? God's saying, hey, I'm doing this uh, with my son Jesus. I'm doing this with the Holy Spirit. All three of us working together, Father, Son, and Spirit, all the triune Godhead, three in one, one in three, we're all together doing it, and we're giving us a picture of community. When God says, let us make man in our image, how about that? God said us. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Spirit. He's talking to his Son. And then he created us. We're created for community. And I truly believe this. If you give yourself a chance to, to find community, and in, in our, our church, how we do that is through charge groups, through gatherings, through Sunday. Our groups are places, our, our charge groups, we call it a charge group simply this, because we believe if you don't get connected in community, your battery's gonna run out. Yeah. You can't do this by yourself. When you get around believers and, and people in your community, you get charged up. That's what the charge groups, I was at my charge group this past week. And there was a couple in our, in our group. We, went all, we, went all, we all went around and said, let's just do one thing that we're thankful for. Because what you're thankful for might encourage me. And one couple in our group said, you know what, I'm thankful for this group. Because I found freedom at this group. My family found freedom at this group. Our marriage is better because of this Amen. group. And I needed to hear that, right? Because now I'm encouraged. Amen. And they're encouraged. Our whole group's encouraged. Yeah. You find freedom in community. Let me give you guys the, the, the third way that you're set free to walk in Jesus is when you discover your purpose. When you discover your purpose. It's a big deal to discover your purpose. I know there's so many people that are just trying to figure out why I'm here. God, why'd you put me on this earth? And I believe it's the church's job to help people discover their purpose, to know God, to find freedom, and discover purpose. And, I, and I'm so grateful that God has given each of us a gift, and when we feel and figure out what that gift is, we can, uh, we can figure out why we're here. Let me give you guys a verse. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Peter writes it like this. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Did you know that? Each of us got a gift. How many of you guys like gifts? I'm a fan of gifts. Come on, I'm still in the Christmas spirit. Come on. I love when, when, when someone gives me a gift, especially if it's a good one. And this ain't a re-gift. God doesn't re-gift. This is a specific, positioned, placed gift for you. Look at the person next to you and say, for you. For you. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety. Tell me, God's got a variety. God is a variety of God. You know, and he's given each of us a gift. And we want to help people discover what's your gift. Because when you figure out what your gift is, you're going to do it regardless. Right. You're not even going to have to have anybody try to propel you to do your gift. You're just going to do your gift. You won't even have to have anybody pay you. You'll just do it. Because you'll figure out your gift. That's when you discover your purpose. I love people that say, you know what? I never thought I was a kid's person until I volunteered in the kid's ministry. Amen, and I, amen right? <laughs> Nina is saying amen, amen. Um, you know, I, I, I never thought that I was uh, a church person until I started going to church. I never, started, I, I never thought I was a business guy until I kind of started to get into the business realm and now I'm, I'm doing what I do for, for God's glory. Like one of the guys on our team, Tony Lopez, our youth leader, is, he builds tiny homes. He's a business thinker. And he's a kingdom man at the same time. He's discovered some of his purpose, Amen. People serving in the kids, discovering their purpose. People that are doing athletic ministry, discovering their purpose. People that are, are working on the strip at hotels. We got a lot of people in our church that work on hotels, on mission, on purpose. Amen. Living their life, not in a weird way, but in a real way. Right. 
They've discovered their purpose. We want to help you discover your purpose. And finally, the last one is so that you can make a difference. So that you can make a difference. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Let Let me tell you guys this. There was a poll that was taken to a whole lot of people that were on the last stage of their life. And there was a question that was given to these people. And here was the question. What would you wish you would have done differently if you could go back and do it again? You know what most of the people answered? Most of the people said this, I wish I would have made a difference. People have this desire in their heart where they really just want to make a difference. Like, you don't want to get to the end of your years and say, man, I really, I really wish I wouldn't have just wasted my life on things that don't really matter. I wish I really would have made a difference in my city, in my community, in my church, in my family. I want to make a difference. I want to, I want to, I want to be used by God. I want to be known for making a difference. We believe when someone's set free to walk in Jesus, they know God, they find freedom in community, Right? They discover their purpose, why they, God's created them, why God's made them, and now they're able to start making a difference. Whether it's at the food pantry, whether it's setting up a chair, or whether it's using your domain, your job, your skill, your sport. Tell you what, I, I, when I first got saved, I thought basketball was done. I still play basketball. I love the game. Y'all, I'll post stuff about clips. All the, I, I, I'm there. Because I realized that God didn't uh, create basketball to be a waste. He created it to be used for his glory. I'm making a difference. Whatever it is that's your thing, God can use that to make a difference. Let me give you guys a verse and then we're going to close in a word of prayer. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. We are his workmanship. means we're his masterpiece. We're his creation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in in them you're a masterpiece church you're a beautiful picture that God has created and he's created you with a purpose he's created you to make a difference and we believe the most life-giving thing for you would be to use that gift to make a difference here at walk church that 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 is amazing but even if it's not at our church even if it's just in our city or in our nation somewhere or globally I mean, God's doing things globally that will blow your mind. We're going to get in on it. We're already getting in on it. God may use you and your gift to go global. Start making a difference and seeing nations come to know Jesus. Come on. God wants to see our city better. And we believe this. He's going to do that from people being set free to walk in Jesus. Amen.